What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Sierra Martinez, WBFF bikini athlete on the line. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, doing wonderful. We're going to kind of continue this competitor theme here. Earlier this week, I had uh, Chris Elkins on the line. He's a, a pro natural bodybuilder, so I figured we'd just continue with the whole competitor theme. Um, so give people a little little bio on you, kind of what got you into the space, what got you into competing. Just give us some background. Okay, so I started my keto journey in October of 2016. Um, mm. I had uh, two children. I became very depressed and I was at my low, uh, lowest point of my life, I would say. I was 225 pounds and I knew something had to change. So that's pretty much where my journey started. Uh, I've lost uh, close to 75 pounds this far and um, worked out from the beginning. Uh, got very uh, more serious about it about six months in. And about a year in, I decided I wanted to compete because uh, I fell in love um, with training the body and just seeing how much um, it combined with a keto diet can really just transform you, you know, inside and out. So, so what? How old were you when when this started? 2016. Oh, I was. I'm about to be 33 next week, so I was 31. Yeah. And that's when you started keto after after you had reached your heaviest point and were at your lowest point in life. Mm-hmm. Or 30. No, because I turned I turned 31 in November. So, yeah, I was 30. Mm-hmm. What was your, like, let's rewind even farther. I love getting, like, the, the back backstory on people. What, were you pretty active, you know, you know, while, before you had kids? Or what was your transition to, into getting into, you know, lifting in the first place? So, um, I've, I cheered and played soccer in high school. I've always tried to be active. I've always tried to work out. I just never really knew what to do. I would go to the gym, you know, for two or three months only to fall off the wagon for two or three months and start all over again. I think that's a pretty (laughs) common thing with a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, before I got depressed and um, went through all that, I, I would sit normally around 180, 190. So not too terribly heavy, but tried to keep active, but just never you know, really was able to get the results that I wanted. And and what do you think triggered the depression? I mean, I don't know if you listen to many of my podcasts, but I really dive into the mindset. So if you don't mind, I'd love to flesh that out a little bit. Oh, of course. Um, so I was diagnosed with um, postpartum after I had my second child, uh, our son, Sebastian. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, we found out my husband got transferred um, from Texas to Florida. So, um, we had to move across the country. Um, and the same time frame, I tripped on a curb and broke my leg. <laughs> so here I am with a one-year-old, a six-week-old baby and a broken leg. And we're moving across the country <laughs> and, um, where we knew no one. So I was, my husband works a lot. I was by myself and it was just a downward spiral. I filled my, um, my, emptiness and you know sadness with eating and the anxiety is something I've struggled with my whole life but it just got to a whole new level like I wouldn't leave my house for a week or two at a time just you know in fear of it was just the anxiety was just so overwhelming and fear of the world and everything and it was it was bad Robert I can tell you it was really bad and I knew if I didn't 
do something. I mean, the scale, it, like it just kept going up. But I don't even, it was crazy. I mean, every month I would have to buy new clothes, bigger. I would grow out of everything. And I, I was like, this is, this is no good. I can't, I didn't want to get off the couch. I didn't want to change the kids diapers. Um, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't be this, this person. I want to be healthy and happy for my children. They don't deserve this, you know? And that's when I decided to make the change. I, I really had to hit the bottom, you know? <laughs> was there like anything you saw or read or like anything you heard? Like what, was it like a catalyzing factor that really triggered you to, to make that change or did it just kind of happen randomly? Or about how I found out about keto? Or well, Not necessarily keto, but just like the, the desire to, to, you know, turn your life around basically. Like was, it, was there anything that, that really, you know, triggered that start? Well, I mean, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't want to live anymore. I, it, I was at a point where I, I was either, I hate to say it like that, but I was just, it was going to be done or I was going to change. And I, I look at my, my two little babies and I couldn't, I'm sorry, I'm about to cry. I couldn't, I couldn't leave them. You know what I mean? So I, mm -hmm. I just, I had to push forward and that's, yeah, that's how it happened. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's it. And then, and then from there, when you made that decision to to change, what what made you want to to try keto as the at the onset? I mean, was there just all the the keto hype was kind of gaining in popularity at that point? So I guess that just seemed like a a good direction to go. So how I originally heard about it was someone that I had worked with um, back in Texas had posted about it, and she had lost like twenty or thirty pounds and. Um, a short amount of time, I want to say like three months. And obviously that's, that's motivating to a lot of people. We all want a quick fix. Right. Um, so I, um, then joined a couple Facebook groups and then started seeing the before and afters. And that was really, uh, motivating and inspiring to me. Um, before and afters always get me, <laughs> but, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be one of those before and afters. I'm going to do it. I'm really ready. Um, and that's pretty much how it started and then I lost I want to say eight or ten pounds in the first month and that's the most I had ever lost um any diet plan I can tell you Robert that I was a compulsive dieter for the last 10 years of my life trying like everything under the sun and never getting results so to lose eight or ten pounds in the first month was just I'm hooked I'm gonna and do whatever it takes you know <laughs> yeah no for sure that honestly like so many people lose a lot of water weight initially, but even though it's water weight, like just seeing the scale move is such a motivating factor and it gives people, you know, reason to stick to it beyond that initial water loss phase. Oh, exactly. I completely agree. Were you starting and, to, to um, train at that point too, or was it mostly just the nutrition? So I exercised from the beginning. I started with um, group fitness classes and it was tough. Let me tell you. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of energy at first, uh, but the, the aspect of being in the group training, uh, got me more comfortable with going to the, uh, a group fitness, excuse me, like, you know, um, Zumba spin, stuff like that, um, got me more comfortable with going to the gym at a set time. And you meet people in the classes that kind of hold you accountable. Hey, are you going to be at class, you know, this time or next week or whatever. And then I started doing like two classes a day sometimes. And that's how it started. What about your uh, like flesh out keto for, for you from the beginning? Like a lot of people start keto and they, there's just so much information out there. 
and they try and do it all at once, <laughs> but you can't really do it all at once because everybody's different. So what was your protocol? Like, did you keep your carbs higher? Did you, like, what kind of ratio did you follow? Like, what was your initial foray into keto looking like? Oh my gosh, it was so confusing. There's so much conflicting information on the internet. It is overwhelming. I definitely failed a few times. Um, I did very high fat in the beginning. I want to say like, I can't exactly remember. I think it was around 85%, um, very, very moderate protein. I've always kept my carbs under 20 net. Um, mm -hmm. But I was also a former binge eater. So I had an issue with, um, I would go over my macros a lot still in the beginning, which is probably why it took me a little longer to lose than most people. Um, but I would make keto, let's just say pizza or cheesecake, and I would binge on those foods, um, which is obviously not the best thing. But eventually my body just kind of started rejecting that and I wasn't able, I couldn't do it anymore. I would get physically sick, um, which was incredible to me because I've been a binge eater my whole life. I would, you know, do good and then get depressed and then go home and binge on, you know, whatever I could find. So, um, that was a big deal to me. Did you like break keto and binge on carbs at all? Or was it just binging on, you know, surplus keto foods? No, just keto foods. Out of curiosity like, now, do you eat a lot mm -hmm. of those, you know, carb look like meals like the keto cheesecakes and the keto desserts and whatnot? Or do you just keep it pretty clean? I do not. Um, I have something like that for maybe a birthday or a holiday or something, but I can I like, for instance, for my son's birthday in June, I made some delicious, wonderful keto cupcakes and I couldn't even eat half of it. My body was like, no, <laughs> I stick to very clean keto. Now I get all my fats from avocados, fatty meats, eggs, uh, healthy oils. Um, that's pretty much where all my fats come from. And I feel great. I just feel incredible better than I ever have in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people start keto and, you know, by default, they all want to incorporate the the pseudo carb meals because it's what they're familiar with, and it kind of you know those comfort foods, which is great if it's like a stepping stone. But I mean, it seems like with everybody I've talked to that's been keto adapted for any reasonable amount of time, they tend to phase those out completely because they realize that it's not really moving them any closer to their goal, and their body didn't really need it. You know, you kind of reject it, like you're saying. So I think moving away from that and really focusing in and getting the the accurate macros dialed in with the right foods is the way to go for sure. Yes, I completely agree. It's definitely good for a stepping stone, I will say, because um, it's it's fun in the beginning. People want the new recipes and ways, you know, to make different things for their family. But um, in the long run, the the cleaner definitely works better for me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about the competition prep. Like, let's talk about competing in the first place. So you're, mm -hmm. you're starting to lose weight. You know, you've got you've got two kids, you got a broken leg. And you're starting to get, I'm assuming that's healed up after, you know, a certain amount of time. But where did the idea to compete come into? Like, how did how did that manifest in your mind? So um, I was working with my trainer in Florida uh, at about six months. And um, he just really taught me how to um, train the body in a way that I've never, never worked it before. Basically, how to lift, um, resistance training, all that good stuff. Um, I started seeing changes in my body that I'd also never seen before. Um, and it, it just progressed over time. And 
I very much enjoyed working out. I would get to the point where I'd work out, you know, two hours a day and still have tons of energy. And the way my body was um, progressing, it was suggested to me that I should compete. And this is, and I was like, no, I was like, I can never compete. I'm still, it, it takes a little time for your mind to catch up with the weight loss, I think sometimes. And I still would see myself in the mirror as that big girl, you know? Um, and I was like, I could never do that. There's no way, but it just, it stuck with me. And I was like, I'm really passionate about, you know, training and I love doing it. Uh, my body is transforming amazingly. Why not? Let's do it. Let's set the goal and work towards it. So that's pretty much how it came along. <laughs> and, and when was the first show? The first show was in July of this year in Dallas. July this year. And and what was that like? Like talk, take us behind the scenes and kind of give us a rundown of what that competition prep looked like. I mean, do people think you were crazy for, you know, going through a prep keto? How long was your prep? Just kind of flush that out some for us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, it is a very controversial subject being on keto during prep. Um, it's pretty much opposite of what everyone is taught. And a lot of people just don't know how to handle it. I decided Oh, I think I want to say eight weeks out that I was going to do that show because I was originally going to do a show in Orlando, but we moved um, from my husband's job back to Texas. So that was out of the, the picture. And um, my prep, my, my training is very similar um, to what I do on a regular basis. We just up the cardio towards the end. Um, but for my, as far as my macros went, um, we, we tried to, lower the uh, fat a little bit and the protein was kind of the same and that really didn't work out for me my body was like what are you doing where's my fat you know I became a little bit more hormonal uh, my mood wasn't as stable and um, just really dialed down on those um, those macros in the end uh, my calories normally sit around 15 to 1800 and uh towards the end there we were at about 1200 so nothing too drastic i know some competitors get down to like 900 a thousand which is just insane to me <laughs> um mm -hmm. but yeah that's pretty much how it went for the first show so when you, you said you were originally trying to manipulate your your fat down what were your macros mm -hmm. like towards the end um, so towards the end, we so normally I uh, can't think of the percentages. I don't have it in front of me. Normally, I would sit around, you know, ninety to a hundred grams of fat, and we tried to get it down to like sixty, seventy, and that really didn't work out too well. But we didn't mess with the protein too much. Now this show, we moved it around kind of the opposite way. Um, we took the protein up and to around you know one thirty, one fifty. Um, at some times, depending on what I was doing in the gym and then the fat was around 70 or 80 and that I saw a significant change in my body for this prep. When, when you did that first show, you, you didn't play around with any kind of carb refeeds or anything, right? No. Um, one time I will say I attempted to eat four ounces of sweet potato just to see how my body would react. Um, I have a video where I actually bloated up like I was about six months pregnant. And um, uh, had a horrible night sleeping, tossed and turned all night long, and did woke up feeling groggy. Did not perform any better in the gym. That was my only attempt at ever having a carb that and wasn't from that was vegetables. Sweet potato, right? Like mm -hmm. a healthy, you know, they say healthy sweet potato. 
Yeah, yeah. See, that that's what blows me away. There's so many people now, like the whole carb cycling and targeted keto and introducing a carb refeed, even while you're in a keto prep, is such a such a hot topic right now. It's like the new buzzword and, and thing to do, but it just blows me away that you would spend your entire, you know, off-season and prep in a keto-adapted state and then introduce something foreign to your body to try and maximize performance when in reality the exact opposite happens. Yes, and I think it, I think it I I mean I just I I think there's different ways to do everything and that while that might work for some people it definitely did not work for me. <laughs> at all. Right, and it right. just my body was like what are you doing to me? <laughs> so, did you manipulate anything else like sodium or water or anything like that during your peak week? Um so for the first show, I did not. I just cut back on my water the last two days. Uh, for this last show, I did a little bit. How, how did the the preps compare? Let's, let's just talk about that. Like how how like what you learned from the first show and what you applied differently. This because your, your show was this past weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. So what, so, what was the um, difference in preps like? It's it's a little like unnavigated territory. <laughs> it's like trial and error trying to. Um, do different things and just figure out what works. Um, this this uh, peak week, I limited my salt. I would say I cut it in about half until the Thursday, and then I took it back up to normal. And then I manipulated water um, for the entire week. I water loaded and cut this show versus the last show I just cut the last two days. Um, it's it's a little tricky because I get asked a lot, well, what do you do to get a pump? Or, you know, like, you know, a lot of competitors that, are, that eat a traditional bodybuilder's diet will, you know, it's crazy. They're back there with candy and donuts and all this, and they're eating it before they go out. Well, you know, that's not something I can do. I um, actually found out that almonds and avocado give me a pump. <laughs> so <laughs> that is what I had backstage before I went out. So everybody else and, is back there eating donuts and you're chowing down on avocado. Look pretty strange. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And almonds. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, but it worked. It worked for me, you know, and I'll just have to continue to to try different things and see what might work better. You know, maybe like a, a fat bomb or something like that. And what about your your uh, caloric intake between the two shows? You, did you say you got down to about the same amount on both shows or were you, were you lower this, this go round? Um, it was about the same amount for both shows. Mm-hmm. And did that mess at all with like your hormones or anything? A lot of a lot of female competitors, you know, they'll notice all these all these changes happening with their hormones and their cycle and whatnot. Um, so kind of speak on that. I don't have much credibility speaking on cycles and uh, whatnot. Not being a man. Oh, of course, yeah. So um, I will say overall, since starting keto, uh, my cycle has become a lot more regular. It's like on the, the nose every month and a lot lighter. Um, I still do have like the premenstrual sim- symptoms, but I have not. I've heard a lot of girls that have lost their their period um, as they get the lower in body fat. But that has actually not happened to me. Um, I haven't noticed any other changes. So it stays pretty regular even when you're in. A contest prep, but there's no fluctuation really between your off season and and your in season. I have not noticed any. Mm-mm. Maybe if I get down yeah, to good. a lower body fat, that might change. Um, but as of right now, it's been the same. And remind me, what was the lowest you you got your calories down to? Uh, right around twelve hundred. That's that's the lowest like I normally take any of my female clients, which is 
is that that's pretty low. I mean, you're hungry at 1,200. It blows my mind. Like you said earlier, people, you know, coaches taking their, their clients down below 1,000. I mean, strange things start happening below 1,000 calories. Oh, I, I know. At twelve hundred, I was I was a little, <laughs> a little hangry, especially exerting all that energy. You know. Yeah, and see, that's another thing that that is, seems to be misunderstood in the keto space. People assume that you you don't ever get hungry when you eat keto because fat is so satiating. But when you're in a contest prep, no matter what diet you're on, you're at such a a negative energy balance that you're just going to be hungry. Like it's much more sustainable, in my opinion. But hunger is still <laughs> going to be there. Right. And a lot of it is your mental state too. I think it's like um, you're thinking about it more because you know you're just like in that zone. Um, so that that mm. did mess with me a little bit. But I definitely felt um, I did. I will say that I from last prep to this prep, I did um, switch up the how often I ate. So when I'm not in prep, I completely intuitively eat um, on keto. And if I don't want to eat until two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I won't. Um, on this prep, I, I scheduled out my meals. I was eating four or five times a day, every day, <clears throat> all keto though. Did you find that, that helped with your hunger throughout the day or was it, um, cause like for me, when I get my, my calories done really low, like in a contest prep, I'll condense all of my meals into one meal simply because I wanted, I don't know, for me, psychologically, it's, it's more satisfying to have one, you know, bigger meal and, and feel somewhat full than you know, multiple smaller meals and, and just never feel full. But I oh, guess, I mean, yeah, if, if you felt satisfied, that's the way to do it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I I actually, I liked it. Um, the only thing I I didn't enjoy about it is it kind of brought back those, those feelings of the binge eating where everything revolved around what you're going to eat next. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I, I liked having food every two to three hours. Because I felt like it tricked it tricked me a little bit to thinking I was getting more food. <laughs> right, right. Did did you have much of an off season in between your show in July and, and this one, or was it pretty much just straight back no, into it's back, it? Back to back. Mm-hmm. And back I'm back. back in it again <laughs> right now. You have another so. one coming up. Um, in six months. So, but it's gonna be a little more, a little more. Yeah. So this last prep was. Uh, I think 16 weeks. The first prep was eight weeks. This last prep was 16. And then and this next one is going to be six months. Are you going to take a pretty sizable off season after this one, next one? Um, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, uh, this is my first time doing this. I'm navigating the waters. It's very, um, it's very uh, almost addicting to me. Like I love having this goal of just like working, you know, working hard and, and just doing amazing things with my body and just seeing how far I can take it. And I love that I'm doing it all on keto because it is just so incredible to, I don't want to say like proving people wrong, but just showing that there is a totally different way to do it. You know, it's pretty cool proving people wrong too, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I definitely, definitely recommend like a, a pretty significant off season at some point though just simply because it'll give your body time to to fully recover kind of let your hormones and your metabolism you know equalize again and you'll be able to put on a little bit more muscle prior to you mm-hmm. know cutting down for the next show and that, that's one thing that i yeah. see a lot of competitors do they'll, they'll do shows back to back to back and they just don't really ever have an ample time to to fully recover and i mean it's pretty taxing on your metabolism to to keep your mm-hmm. calories chronically you know in a deficit right 
Um, I, I mean, I'm hoping I can build a little bit, but you're, I mean, I'll, I'll most likely will take a break after this, this next one. But at this point in my life, I just really need, um, and have this desire to do it. And I'm just trying to listen to my subconscious, you know, no, I mean, how long, how long do sure. you suggest like you take a rest? Just curious. Uh, so for me, and again, it's different for male, different for females. It's different for natural versus enhanced athletes. I mean, my last show was in 2017, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to step on stage again until 2020. And that's a little bit of a longer break than I normally take. But, mm-hmm. you know, my hope is that next time I do step on stage, it'll be a significant improvement from what I was looking like oh, in 2017. Wow. Because when you're <clears throat> like when you're in a contest prep and, you know, you're dieting down for you know, 12 to 16, even 20 weeks or more, you know, you're, you're chronically, I mean, just chipping away at your, your body's metabolism and your metabolism slows down as you go into a deficit. And then it takes time to, to repair that and recover. So mm-hmm. even though you might start your off season immediately after your, your, your contest prep, you might not be back at maintenance for several months until, until several months after that point. So it's really important to take, you know, a year and a half, maybe even two years or more in between shows. Um, now, if you do do a bunch back to back to back, it's it's best to kind of batch them all together if you can. Um, but but it's it's hard because like right now I'm in the off season, you know, I'm fluffy and you know fat by my standards, and it's like oh my gosh, I just want to get back on stage. I see everybody else out there competing. It's just you know I'm getting the bug, but I know I'm not gonna do myself any favor unless I wait a little bit longer. That's interesting. Yes, I agree though with kind of grouping them together while you're in condition if you want to do a bunch though oh yeah 100%. i'm just oh yeah i just i'm like just like a go-getter i just want to go I, i'm like addicted to it i can't help it but yes i will be taking a break after this next um this next competition i'm shooting for april of next year however if i'm not ready it will be june instead what was your what was the, like the emotions after that first competition because like so many people at least the ones that i've worked with myself included you know, like that first competition, you have no perspective. So it's it's like it's hard to really know, you know, what to expect because you've done it before. And it's just miserable because it's like you don't know how good it feels to to step on stage. So you're you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting. And then it's like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But then after the show's over, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is this is what it's all about. That's what I'm living for now. So what was what was your, you know, what was your mindset like? What was your just feeling after that first show? Oh my gosh, it was incredible. <laughs> I can't even explain it. I just felt, especially coming from where I came from, you know, and doing all this, you know, while working full time, um, you know, in school to be a personal trainer with two small children, I just felt like I had uh, climbed the biggest mountain ever. I, you know, I didn't win any, anything, but I had accomplished so much more than that, you know, and it's, it's just incredible the feeling you're so nervous, you're excited, you know, stepping on stage. I almost fell. I was slipping out of my shoes, but I, you know, I did it. I did something I never thought I could do. And it's just, it's a, it's life-changing. It really is. And you have it, it gives you a whole new set of, you know, self-confidence and just drive to continue to succeed and to do better, you know, and, and not just, and not just competing in every aspect of your life. I 100% agree. Like I, I've said those exact words so many times. I mean, you, regardless of the placing, you step off stage and you just have this sense of empowerment because you know what you're capable of now. 
both mentally, physically, mm-hmm. and emotionally. And, and you can apply that to any area of your life and you literally become limitless. I mean, for you, it's just, it's just impressive because like you're, like you said, you're working full time, you have two kids, you know, you're, you're losing a bunch of weight. You're coming from a, a point of being depressed. I mean, what, what was the, the low or was there, was there like a low point in your contest prep where you just pause and ask yourself, what the hell am I doing right now? Is this even worth it? For the first show or this last show? The the first show. The first show. Um, so the first show, I, I didn't really, I didn't really get that. This last show, I did. <laughs> um, really? What what caused it? Like- I don't know. It was like it was the Tuesday before the show, and I literally, it was just a combination of, of, of feeling frustrated, and you know, it was a hormonal thing. I was about to have my time of the month, and just feeling deprived and alone because you know we've just moved back out here to dallas and my husband works all the time i don't know a ton of people and um i i was just like i was crying i had a full-on meltdown on the tuesday before the show um and i was and i was like and i was like why am i doing this as my kids are like screaming at me (laughs) but yeah no that's that's the only time i ever had that really happen it's funny like i've i've had that happen to me multiple times as well and People see you from the outside and they're just, they just see like, you know, the fact that you're shredded, you're lean, you look great. And they just assume that everything is on cloud nine, but like in the middle of it, when you're going through that contest prep and you're a depleted state, your hormones are all crazy. You've got just life beating you down. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a pretty dark spot and it, it takes like, those are the, the, the moments that define you and you make mm-hmm. it through that. And you step on stage and those are the thoughts that run through your mind, not the placings, but what you had to go through to get there. Exactly. And it teaches you. I mean, I just learned myself that I have to constantly pump my head with positivity and just personal development all the time Um, because our minds can just start to, you know, play tricks on us. And we start to question what we're doing and everything else when everything can be just fine. And this is in any aspect, not just competing, you know. so I've just found that that's what really, really helps me. It's <laughs> just keeping it in that positive mind space, constantly developing the mind is just like developing the, the body. It's a never ending uh, job. You have to work on that all the time. You know, I, I don't have kids um, yet, but I, I can't imagine like that would add a whole nother dimension of complexity to a contest oh prep. So <laughs> what I mean, what is that even like? Like what? Like what, what was the day-to-day in the middle of the prep like for you? I mean, your, your husband's at work, you got two kids, and, and you're doing all that's involved with the prep. I mean, how, how do you manage it all? So uh, my children are three and five, which is a very tricky age. <laughs> it's not like they're older and I can say, hey, go to your room. It's like, no, why? You know, running around. So that's a typical day for me um, is – and, you know, the last weeks of prep, I would get up around 4.30, 5 a.m., go get in my fasted cardio before my whole house is awake. I would come home, um, get their lunches ready, get them up, get them ready to go to school. Um, I actually work at their preschool part time. So I go to work at their at their school um, while they're in school. We get out at 2.30. We go back to the gym, which uh, my gym has an excellent child care, thank God. Um, 
and they love they love it. They look forward to going. Um, everyone there knows them. It's actually really cute. And then I'll go do my weight training for 1.5 to two hours. Um, we would go home, do homework for my older daughter, um, just kind of get everything ready for the next day, and um, you know, baths and all that good stuff. And then try to be in bed by 9:30, 10 every night. Now, in the between all that is where all the meltdowns happen. <laughs> so um, cortisol is a real is the real deal and it will make you hold weight. And I could definitely tell when I was stressed out and when I wasn't. Um, but again, what really helped me through that is just pumping that positivity all the time. Like I'd be driving down the road, having, you know, audio audio books playing and all this stuff, you know, just to to keep myself in a good mindset. And then, you know, we milk crap on. Is there any particular one. audiobooks? Um, oh, I love, right now I'm listening to Seven um, Habits of Highly Effective People. I love You're a Badass by um, Jen Sintero. Um, Crushing It by Gary V is another one I've listened to. I've listened to those three like over and over and over again. <laughs> like literally five or six times yeah, those are those are all awesome. Like Gary V's book is great. I mean, those are all great. Um, I've, I've recommended this on the podcast a million times, but I'll say it again because it it can't be said enough. But have you ever listened to "The Obstacle Is the Way" by Ryan Holiday? Oh no, what's that? I would love to write that down. What's it called? It's uh "The Obstacle Is the Way," and it's by Ryan okay. Holiday. And I I got it on Audible, so I listened to it on audiobook as well. But that is the book that I I have on repeat during the last month or two of my contest prep, every single time I do a contest prep, like I literally will be, you know, doing squats, like in the squat rack, four or five on my back, listening to that audio book and oh, listening wow. to that on the Stairmaster. I mean, that's literally what gets me through the preps. Oh, wow. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Thank you for recommending it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What What do your kids think about it all? Three and five, the oh. three-year-old probably doesn't know quite what's going on yet, but. Yeah. Oh, my daughter, she's, um, She's very, very proud. Um, it's funny because, you know, part of the WBFF is posing. Um, it's a little bit different than your other federations. It's, the other federations have a very standard pose, you know, for your front, back, and side. Well, the WBFF is also kind of like modeling, so it's a little bit different. And my daughter, she loves to just, like, get with me and practice posing, and we'll walk around and practice our walk. and. It's so adorable. Like I love it, and I and I love that this is a healthy, um, you know, um, hobby that I'm setting a good example for them. That is very important. Yeah, absolutely. To me. They'll be in the gym with you. Yeah, I know. They come every. They come every day. <laughs> she wants to go exercise with me. It's so funny. I'm like, I'm like, you're too little, baby. <laughs> what What is the most gyms have like like a 12 year old age limit or something on on training? Yes, um, usually it's uh, it's after the childcare cuts off at twelve. Mm -hmm. I worked in the gym gotcha, for two gotcha. years, and they and they allow uh, children upstairs um, at age uh, thirteen with with a parent supervision. Oh, they'll be there with you in no time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What What about uh, out of curiosity? I always try to ask the people that that I have on the show that that do have kids what they kind of do with their 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 kids' nutrition. Have you tried to incorporate more keto foods for them? Um, I actually have. They are not completely keto. It's very hard with, you know, the birthday parties and um, what they what they serve them at school. But I 
They love avocados. They eat all the fatty meats that I make. Um, they're still not too good on the vegetables. We're working on it. Like they like broccoli, but season it up, you know, with some avocado oil and garlic, they'll eat it. Um, but um, that's pretty much it. I try. Um, it's a, it's going to be a process, but uh, it's about teaching them how to have a balance for me right now. So like my daughter, for mm-hmm. instance, if, if we get pizza or something at a birthday party, she'll be like, okay, but mommy, I can only have one piece. Cause I know it's going to make my stomach hurt. Um, and that's just well, that's good, incredible. Yeah. That's incredible to me at five years old that she knows that she knows she's not going to go gorge on, you know, five pieces of pizza. And she, you know, asked for avocado and stuff like that. And I just, I love that because a lot of kids don't, don't even have that, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, focusing and leading by example with your kids nutrition is, is key, you know, cause so many, there's so many foods out there and I, again, I don't have kids, so I, I can't even imagine, but you know, just walking to the grocery store and seeing what all is marketed towards kids as oh healthy goodness. is just the farthest thing from healthy. It's, it's pretty discouraging. I, Robert, I can't even tell you, we don't, when we go to the grocery store, we don't even go on the inside aisles because it's just, yeah. it's like, it's, it's sensory overload for them. And and it's all about, mm-hmm. I, I can't even, oh, I can't even handle it. We go, we go in the vegetables, we go through the eggs and the dairy, and then we go through the meats and that's it. <laughs> We're out of there. They like all the meats? They eat a lot of meat? Oh yeah, they love meat. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of that. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, that's that's important. Real quick, what I, I really want to touch on, you know, and just emphasize the fact that you were able to do all this with all that you had going on. So I would imagine you have like a pretty much zero tolerance policy for excuses. I mean, you've had like a lot of a lot of things going against you and you you pulled through. So what do you say to, you know, mothers or parents or, or people that maybe overweight, may have kids, they're struggling to you know, find the motivation, find the discipline and find the consistency to turn her life around. Like you've done it. What what would you say to them? Well, I mean, I, I tell my clients this all the time. It's a, you make time or you make the excuses, period. You're going to make time for what's important to you. If it's really important to you, you will find a way to do it. You will set that alarm earlier. You will go after your kids are in the bed. I mean, I work right now, I work 25 hours at their school And then I work another 40 to 60 hours a week with my clients. So it's, it's nonstop. Like I go, 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 go every day. And if I can do it, I had every excuse in the book and every possible thing I feel like almost that could happen to me, happen to me. Anybody can do it. You have to really just set your mind to it and find that why it has to, it has to be something, you know, really important to you. I agree. The why has got to be stronger than the why not. And you, I mean, that's like, oh, a, yeah. you know, plastered on Instagram all the time and people see that, but they don't live it. But I mean, even, even me, like I'll catch myself, you know, watching an extra five minutes of a pointless YouTube video that's bringing me nowhere in life. And I'll just mm-hmm. like check myself. And I'm like, I don't have time for this because time is like the most precious asset. And so many people squander time and that it makes me sad because I know, like, I know how important time is. And to see people just waste it, I mean, there's just so much wasted potential out there. I mean, the graveyard is full of people and wasted potential. I don't know if that's a quote somewhere, I think, but yeah, people just need to, like, you know, capitalize on what they have the opportunity to do with their life that they have. 
No, I, I completely agree. You know, I don't even, I don't listen to the radio anymore. I don't watch TV maybe an hour or two a week anymore. I'm constantly just trying to do something to better, you know, myself or for my family constantly. You have to, what, you have to. What time did you say you wake up every day? 3.30 or 4? Um, uh, 4.30 or 5, depending. Mm-hmm. 4.35? And then you said you go to bed at 9.30? I try. 10 by 10 for sure. You sleep pretty good? I sleep like a rock. It's wonderful. I, I've like never, I used to sleep for 10, 12 hours and never feel like I got enough rest. Drag myself out of bed every single day before I did keto. I feel now I can have a five, six hours and it's a solid sleep. And I wake up feeling so rested. And I mean, half the time I wake up before my alarm even goes off. I just get up by myself. It's incredible. I, uh, I've i got this theory because I've had a lot of people ask me about sleep lately. I've been kind of experimenting with, you know, sleep quality and manipulating that. But I've, I've noticed that so many of the people that complain about, you know, not having a very good quality sleep. I mean, they, they, they go to bed and they, they don't sleep well. It's oftentimes a result of them not working hard enough that day. I mean, when you when you put in nonstop hours from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you probably won't have any trouble falling asleep and sleeping heavy. And mm-hmm. I don't know that that is the best therapy for for getting good quality sleep. Putting in the work while you're awake, and then sleep sleeps a non-issue. Oh, I completely agree. I can tell if I like if I'm on vacation or something, just kind of having some lazy days. I don't I. It's it's different. <laughs> I agree. Or if I yeah. even if I have that rest day, it's 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 crazy. I can tell a little bit of a difference. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, one more question for you. You've got a pretty good client base. What are some of the common patterns and trends that you've recognized and seen, you know, in working with your clients and, and just kinda add some value there? Like what, what are some common mistakes people make? What are some what are some things that they can manipulate differently to kinda, you know, reach the goal a bit sooner? So um one of the the biggest misconceptions I see is people think that they need to force feed the fat. Um, and I did this at first as well. Uh, it, it's not, you can't force feed the fat. Uh, you do need to be in a certain, you know, ratios that's proper for your body and for what your goals are. But fat to me is to be used as a lever to keep yourself full and to give yourself energy, period. And I truly believe that if you're eating too much fat, then you're going to be burning that fat. You're not going to be burning the fat on your body. And that's not what we want. I mean, most people start keto because they want to lose weight and, you know, have the mental clarity. So um, that's definitely a trend I've seen. Yeah, I have a pretty, pretty high fat ratio compared to a lot of people. I I, I advocate a higher fat ratio. I just noticed myself mm-hmm. feeling a lot better, but mm-hmm. everybody's got to find the, the balance ratio that works well for them because so many people I don't know they, they go online they plug in their numbers and their stats into like a generic macro calculator and they just you know put that the numbers that they spit out like a, as yeah. the word of God or something and they don't change it they don't manipulate it they don't experiment and then there's no macro calculator out there that's going to give you the best numbers for you correct it's different for everybody and it's funny because I can go put my stats and like three different calculators for keto online, I get three different answers. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. Um, again, while it's so frustrating, I can, for people that are starting out, it's just like, it's, 
it's this path of information. It's like, oh, well, well I'm just going to give up before I even get started. You know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to be said for just jumping in and starting. I mean, the same, the same is true with weight training too. A lot of people, you know, postpone going into the gym and training with, with free weights and resistance training because they don't know the best form. They're, they're, you know, uh, that they just aren't confident in their ability to do the movements correctly. But even the movements done incorrectly, I mean, within reason, you don't want to injure yourself, obviously, but just simply stimulating the muscle and, you know, activating those muscle fiber, that's going to cause growth. That's way better than sitting on the couch. So same, same principle can be applied to your nutrition. Don't, don't, you know, not jump in because you're just paralyzed by all the, all the information that's out there, some of which won't even apply to you. I, I agree. And and that's another thing I get asked a ton is, oh, should I start the diet first and wait to start training? I'm like, no, start training now. I wish, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for my journey and starting with the exercise classes that I wish I would have started working with a trainer or someone teaching me how to do the resistance training in the beginning. Because I do believe that the results will come a lot faster that way. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, now that I've got you on here, I mean, you are an attractive female. Your resistance training. I mean, so many females are just like kind of founded by the concept of of training with heavy weights because they just are afraid that they're going to look like a, a muscled up, you know, he man. What mm -hmm. do you say to those clients? Oh my gosh, I or I was I was still this person until like six or eight months ago. I kept saying, "Why are we doing so many biceps? Why are we doing all these shoulders? I don't want to have bolder shoulders. I don't want to look like a man." Um, but it's you it's crazy because the composition of the body changes and a woman is not going to get bulky like a man unless that's what she is training for period um if you want to build giant yeah. shoulders and you want to trade shoulders all day then you can do that but if you're the muscle is going to burn the fat all the time whereas if we're just doing cardio you know you're only burning calories while you're doing it and that's what we want everybody wants that pretty toned body i feel like you know that's what i hear the most often i just want to be toned i want to feel comfortable you know i want to get down some body fat and to get the body fat down that's what you have to do you're not going to become looking yeah, like a man <laughs> you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be all she, she woman or whatever or he, the hulk i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i think the whole concept of you know the more lean muscle mass you have the better your metabolism is going to be and the more body fat you're going to burn just mm -hmm. at rest, you know, that, that concept seems to be lost, um, especially with females, but with a lot of men too. But I don't know, pe people just want to lose body fat and they don't put any focus or thought toward building muscle, but they, there's such a symbiotic relationship there. I mean, they're, they're going to be mm -hmm. way ahead of the, the game if they focus on building the muscle. Correct. And I mean, you can take someone, you know, that weighs the same weight that has the more muscle mass versus someone, what I like to call skinny fat. They're just skinny with a low body fat, you know? Um, and they look completely different. And I, you know, 90% of people will pick the person that has the muscle tone as far as aesthetics go. Oh yeah. hundred percent. 100%. Well, Sierra, we could talk all day about competitions, but give, give us a, a little, little, um, prelude in, into what's next. Like, what are you excited about going for? You got the competition in six months. What's after that? Oh my gosh. I'm just, um, excited about growing, uh, my business online. Um, I'm excited about, I want to become a pro. That's my uh, ultimate goal as far as competing goes right now. I feel like to become a pro athlete would just be an incredible accomplishment in my personal career. Um, I want to write a book. <laughs> I haven't said that out loud. So that's pretty, um, 
that's pretty exciting. And um, also working on a cookbook because I think clean Very keto cool. gets a little lost. So um, I want to show how you can do keto without putting cheese on everything. <laughs> No, I, I love it. I think I think um, that that is very very important. There's so many kind of like what we were saying earlier. There's so many just you know crappy keto lookalike carb meals that mm -hmm. need to be negated. Um, so having a resource that illustrates the exact opposite would be well received in the space for sure. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, wh where can people go to find out more about you? Um, so you can find me. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my name is at Keto Goddess Mama. Um, I my website is not up yet, but it should be by the end of the year, and that'll be just crmartinez.com. And um, working on a Facebook page, but not there yet either. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, I will link out to all those uh, so that people can find you easily. This this is great. I really appreciate you coming on here. I really love diving into the the, the backstory of first time competitors, and then kind of like the transition onto more and more show, shows, especially with a ketogenic approach, because there's not a whole lot of people doing it, like truly doing it. So uh -huh. whenever I find one, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to get them on here and share their story because the more exposure this way of eating gets towards that kind of, you know, bodybuilding, you know, figure fitness competitor sport, the better. Yes, I completely agree. Thank you so much for having me on. It was such a blast talking with you today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me know if there's ever anything I could do for you as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, Sierra, take care and good luck on the show in six months. Okay, thanks. Thanks.